If you're in the UK, good evening. If you're in the US or Canada, good afternoon. I'm from Canada. I'm from Canada. <laughs> and if you happen to be from Australia or Nippon, as or as us Westerners call it, Japan, yeah. good morning. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Oh, and welcome to the Magic of Wrestling podcast. What we got on the Magic Week this week? Well, let's introduce our guests first, Mr. Wakelin. Let's uh, not uh, first, jump actually, jump actually, actually, no, we, we, actually, we've got something to do. We've got to play this little intro. All right, let's do the intro. Let's get going. The expert, oh, yeah, I'm a little all, right, it's over. <laughs> all right, guys, I got in the zone later. <laughs> Welcome, obviously, to the Magic of Wrestling podcast. It's obviously Saturday night again. I am, of course, the magician, Liam Wakelin. I'm the effing expert, Mr. Isaacs. And we got a couple of gentlemen. You may have seen them around this channel before. I'll let you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. You go first, big guy. I am, of course, the patron saint of professional wrestling. I'm that gingered up. Bubbly son of a bitch. I'm Canada Dry, damn it. Uh, Canada Dry. Woo! My number one fan over there. <laughs> I am I am only known by three letters, but it's the most important three letters in the entire alphabet. It's the JFB. J from Boston, baby. All right. Canada Dry, JFB. It, it, it is a welcome addition to the magic of wrestling. I have you two gentlemen on, so okay. thank you for coming on. Well, you know um, what? You guys are so nice to invite us. <laughs> Why don't you guys come on our show tomorrow? And we'll, we'll flip the script. Yeah. That sounds Ooh, like uh, a good idea, man. Oh, I think we'll do okay. that. Do you know, that's a great idea. Yeah, we'll play yeah. some lean bag Yahtzee. And, well, thank uh, God. <laughs> come on. There you go. We thank bags. God. <laughs> All right. Well, well, if we don't have plans tomorrow, then obviously we have now. <laughs> We've been booked, pal. Uh, booked. We got to follow through with this. So every week we start the show, the Magic of Wrestling here, uh, <laughs> with the Magic Weekly. And we got some interesting factoids here to discuss. Mr. Wakeland, do you want to do the intro here for us? Of course. of the Chicago Daily Tribune. <laughs> I added another five seconds on there just for you, Liam. Thank you. Thank you. I, I jump to it every single week. So what can you say? <laughs> uh, All right. So, well, of course, go ahead. What we got in the Magic Weekly this week? This week. Uh, what we got in the Magic Weekly? The first item we have on the agenda is Vince returns to the board of WWE. And WWE sale imminent as apparently they have hired a firm to assist in finding a purchaser. What do we think about this, gentlemen? I'm going to start with Canada Dry. Um, should be interesting where this goes and how this affects all of us. Because when WWE thing, it affects everyone. It affects AW, it affects TNA. Um, 
so it, it should be interesting. Like right now, I think AEW is looking pretty damn good right now. If you ask me. <laughs> it's all t- this little joke about uh, uh, everybody's been super nice to me today for some reason. Yeah. I, I don't quite know why. <laughs> JFD, what, what do you think about this whole mess? I, as a stockholder of WWE, I'm ecstatic because it's going to make my stock go higher <laughs> and I can cash out finally and stop being under the thumb of Vince McMahon. Um, oh, are you yeah. wanting to sell that stock? Or oh, as soon as, as soon as that sale goes through, baby, it is all but gone. <laughs> uh, it's old because that shit's going to just skyrocket. It is just going to go through the moon. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna be going to be. Why would you want to sell then? Why would you want to sell really high? Oh, I'm going to sell it when it hits. Right when the sale gets official and that stock just like triples, I'm selling out. <laughs> so yep. you think it has nowhere to go but down after that? Oh yeah, it's yep. it's going to completely fall. Especially when we find out who the actual buyers are, because it's it's not anybody from the United States. It's a foreign country. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> Mr. Wake, when your thoughts, sir? So, obviously, we spoke about this song, Wrestling with the Paranormal, and I kind of went on a little bit of a rant. I think it's an absolute joke that obviously has gone back to the board. But if it's a sale, is it going to be, is everybody going to be happy if WWE gets sold? That remains to be seen. But as everybody says there, who's going to buy WWE? Yeah. I mean, that's the big question here. Who is going to step up and purchase WWE? Now, there's several different companies that I've seen listed. Um, the one that immediately came to mind to me was Endeavor, which is yeah. the uh, talent agency that purchased the UFC a couple years back. Mm-hmm. They represent some people in WWE, so I thought that might be a good fit. I also think that NBC Universal might be a good fit since they're already on Peacock. Yeah, but uh, let's just go around here just very quickly. Who do you think is going to be the buyer of WWE? Canada Dry, who's buying WWE? Okay, so we only get one, right? Let's just say one. Just can't one. Say one else. So you pick your one, you move on. All right. So I'm going to go with NBC uh, because of Peacock, and I think uh, also I think that they're they're the the safest buy. I think because they're not going to change too much. All right, JFB, who buys WWE? Well, I can't, I can't, I can't use Canada Drives. He stole it. That son of a bitch. But <laughs> you can agree with him. I I can agree. Okay, I'll agree. Yeah, I I think NBC Universal. I think also too, Amazon might. Make Who's a son of a bitch now? <laughs> <laughs> I think Amazon might be a player in this. They just bought MGM. They they are trying to really be competitive in the streaming market, and that's the best way to do it is to get something that is worldwide and worth billions and billions of dollars. Good answer, Mr. Wakelin. Who buys WWE? I'm. I kind of agree with these two guys. I think NBC, but I'm just going to throw a little joke in here. I think Disney, because sometimes it's like watching Disney WWE. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it Disney. would be cool to see them on Disney Plus. Yeah, but <laughs> Disney oh, Plus man. happens. China is a Disney princess now. Mm, that would be awful. <laughs> 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 All right, gentlemen, let's move on to the next topic here. So. Earlier this week, in the magical land of Nippon, we saw Wrestle Kingdom, which was a fantastic show. I loved it. Not talking about the whole thing here, but I just wanted to highlight a couple of specific items. We had the great Omega Osprey match, and we had the debut 
of a returning Mercedes Monet, formerly known as Sasha Banks. JFB, what did you think about these two big events from Wrestle Kingdom or any other thoughts about Wrestle Kingdom? Well, it happened in the Tokyo Dome, so you know Dave Meltzer is going to give it a 10-star. 15 stars. 15, 20 stars. 36 stars. It was really good. I, I was not shocked. I was not surprised. That's what I expected. I expected 10-star bout. I got a 10-star bout. Those guys went at it, violently went at it. Um, Mercedes Monet, I, I, I feel like she fell flat. I, there was... There was no excitement. Like when she, I, everybody knew she was coming. Everybody knew she was there. She came out. She botched her her move uh, to yeah. take out Kyrie, uh, Kyrie um, and then kind of just gave a really half-hearted promo. Uh, it fell flat for me. I wasn't. I didn't run out and buy a a, a freaking Mercedes Monet shirt on Pro Wrestling. <laughs> I got you, Canada Dry. What did you think, sir? I thought that her hair of hers was horrendous. <laughs> what the hell is that? You didn't like the that blue leopard look? Oh my goodness. Just go flames. back to the blue or pink hair. Yeah, it was fl it was flames on her hair. Yeah. <laughs> she was on fire. Um but uh yeah, that match between uh uh Omega and Osprey. That was amazing. Uh, it was a joy to watch. Um, you know, as they say in wrestling, no wasted moves. They always say that. <laughs> no wasted moves. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that they were they were incredible. Uh, you know, uh, maybe Forbidden Door. We see a, a rematch. Yeah, I'm. I would say a rematch is on the horizon, Mister Wakelin, What are your thoughts? So this is obviously the first New Japan actual pay-per-view I actually watched. So Ooh, I went nice. in kind of like, you know, let's see what this actually brings. But as JFB said there, I was really disappointed with the Mercedes uh, debut. Everybody knew it was coming. So I'm like, oh, really? And then obviously she botched the whole thing. So I feel <laughs> like that actually really fell flat. But as regards to Will Ospreay and Omega, I mean, the match got, what was it, six and three? I forgot exactly how many stars it got, but it got a lot. Yeah. But now obviously Omega... Osprey's tied now with the most Dave Meltzer star ratings. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, for me, the Mercedes Monet thing, it did fall flat. Um, I thought she looked really cool in the kimono when she was coming out. Um, her hair did look kind of ridiculous, but you know, whatever. It's just kind of a nitpicky thing, I guess. Uh, the botched move, the promo. I don't know if she was nervous. I don't know if the I crowd was silent. Was. Yeah, I mean, the crowd being so silent for a New Japan crowd, like, I think that could be, I think it could throw off some American performers from time to time if they're not used so. to that. So. so when she feels like she's cutting a promo in a, in a room with nobody there and everything's dark around her, she probably just felt really awkward and strange and just, I don't know. It, it did definitely fall flat. I do think her and Kari is going to be a good match, though, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And, uh, and I do think... I do think when you go to a new promotion, um, it is, it, it's not the easiest thing to do to adapt your character to that place and just go smoothly. It's not, it's not always seamless. Yeah. Yeah. We also have to remember as well as obviously she spent so much time in obviously WWE. So it's kind of like new territory for her in a way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if she ever worked in Japan. I'm, it's a completely different culture and everything. Um, 
But Omega and Osprey, brilliant match. Very well done. Uh, loved it. I love the blood. I, I love the I love Don Callis on commentary. <laughs> I thought he was great. Uh, I, I love the table spot where Omega's just slamming Osprey's head and you could see the blood just like coming onto the table. I mean it was just brilliant. Like everything about the match was great. So did you guys know that Liam the magician has a crush on Angelina Love? Why is that relevant? Why is that relevant at Wrestle Kingdom, pal? (laughs) I know, but I did you guys know this? I I did not. I did not. But uh (laughs) she's an attractive woman. She's been around a long time. Yeah. Shall I just go? (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on. All right. So the last item I have on the Magic Weekly, Jeff Jarrett commented on the Kurt Angle Karen Jarrett issue that was brought up, of course, famously by Max Castor and the Acclaimed in a promo. And this is what he had to say on his podcast. And he said, and I quote, the hole that I'm stealing Kurt Angle's wife, that is kind of a generation removed. I want to kind of set the record straight here, and this is completely with all due respect. I've kept my mouth shut for 10 or 12 years for two reasons. Kyra Angle and Cody Angle. They're old enough now. They know the absolute truth, but me stealing Kurt's wife is the furthest thing from the truth. Max Caster opened up a whole can of worms here, and it's all coming flooding out. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. What do you make of this thing? I mean, this obviously caused a not a big debate between me and Canada Dry, but we're literally like arguing for about twenty minutes. But then Canada Dry mentioned something. He said, "Look, why don't you just look at it from a different perspective?" So I kind of did, and I think it's one of these things where we don't know really what goes off behind closed doors. Obviously, Kurt responded to the thingy Karen did, and then from then, literally, whatever's got happened, it's just literally gone downhill from there. Yeah, Canada Dry, what do you think, pal? Well, um, I, I think it's uh, we have to find out what Kurt Angle said to Karen Jarrett to set her off like that because it was like it was like days removed from the original uh, comment that her she made off of uh, after the the rap. Um, the other thing I'd like to point out to Liam is that Angelina Love was on NWA wrestling Taya Valkyrie. This last uh, she was, I saw that. So, yeah, so you I should watch that match. It's, it, it was pretty good. <laughs> Do you know the thing is? Obviously, at one PW next month, Taya Valkyrie is going to be there, so I'm going to ask her about that match. <laughs> you should watch it. It was and, on last week's power. It was good. Uh, the F and expert watched Natalia Markova for the first time, and uh, oh, he, okay. he, he finally gets the hype. I did. Yeah, I, I mean, I watched her because you know I. I saw NWA was on. I was sitting down eating dinner. I got a fire TV in my dining room, right? So I was scrolling through the YouTube app, and I noticed NWA was live. I'm like, okay, I'm going to check out NWA. And uh, I saw Natalia Markova was going to be on the show. I was like, okay, I've never seen her before other than watching her on All F and Wrestling. I got to check her out. I got to see what's going on here. I I was really impressed by her. I was. I, I thought she sold really well. I thought her moves looked good. I thought her shots looked good. Her strikes look good. I was and that new submission she just added—that was that oh submission. Oh my god, was that, dope, yeah. that is I, absolutely unbelievable. I, I believe the hype. I am a fan of Natalia Markova. So obviously, part of the interruption, but obviously, Noob just makes a valid point here. It says Max Caster opens up a worms last night at Battle of the Belts when mentioned Vince McMahon. Tony Khan needs to control Max Caster's raps. What do we think, guys? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, here's the reason why. See, the, the whole Karen Jarrett thing, it, wrestling has always been about the slice of life. What is going on is permanent. You know, we were at war with Iraq. Sergeant Slaughter becomes an Iraqi sympathizer. I mean, you know, during the 50s and the 60s, you had the Cold War and the yep. 70s and the 80s. So you had Russian bad guys. And yep. you know, I, what Max Caster is doing, I guarantee you it's not going through. Uh, I, I'm sure he's just not freestyling it off the top of his head. I guarantee you that he gives the gist to Tony Khan and Tony Khan says, go for it. You know, well, uh, people are thinking that he was thrown under the bus last time when, when he got that, did that rap that was not cool. Oh, uh, the suspended. one. About yeah. I mean, you know, I, t- Tony Khan controls everything that comes out of that back. I, I don't care what anybody says. He, he is going to produce. Yeah. You know, and and that's the thing, you know, even when you hear like guys like Chris Jericho saying, oh, we have all this freedom with our our, our you know, with our promos and everything. Uh, I, I guarantee you. Yeah, they still got to run it by him, right? Yeah, yeah. they still got to say, hey, what's going to be the gist of what you're going to say? And this is what I'm going to say. And Tony Khan will either say, OK, that's cool. Go for it. Or eh, let's change it up slightly. But. You know, the, the whole Karen Jarrett thing, it's good for wrestling. Like, you know, you know that Double J was asked about it by Max Caster before he went out and rapped. And he wouldn't have done it without the without at least a, a, a handshake and saying go for it. So that's I agree. I'm yeah, I, I think this whole thing is a work. <laughs> yeah, I really do. A handshake? A handshake Jarrett is just... Dog. <laughs> Jared is just such a good worker these days. Yeah. I mean, he likes to blur the lines with his podcast and he did this with the Ric Flair last match, you know, kind of blur the lines of, you know, digging into Flair for getting back into alcohol and just yeah. <laughs> like he knows how to get heat, how to generate heat. He's done this his entire life. He knows yeah. what he's doing. Um, and as far as Max Caster's raps go, this is just kind of like old school, like East coast hip hop. Yeah, you know, it's like it's it's metaphor driven, right? It's kind of taking stabs at things and like you know making fun of things that you ordinarily wouldn't laugh at, but you just do it. Just yeah. I mean, not just to be a jerk, but that's just kind of the East Coast battle style of hip hop. Yeah. So you know, uh, I mean, overall, I, I, think uh, I, think on it. I really think that Jeff Jarrett is so so good for AEW. And I'm looking forward to everything that he brings to the table. Absolutely. I think yeah. some of you obviously were signed. I'm like, this is probably a good signing. Yeah. Because I think it's a very good signing. And I think he's going to bring a lot of value to AEW. I think he already has. Yeah. So that yeah. concludes the Wrestling Weekly. I will give this back to uh, my buddy, Mr. Wakeland, here for the main event. Thank you very much. So then, with less talking, let's get into our main event. I tried not to smile, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> it always cracks me up that last when he's like, eh. <laughs> "Oh dear, that's brilliant!" Right, so of course, obviously, for our main event today, we're getting into probably one of the most talked about documentaries for I think for as long as I actually remember it. It's of course, Wrestler with Shadows. 
Hitman hat. Now, obviously, Canada Dry's got his lovely little uh, Bret Hart shirt on there, I saw. Pixelated video game. There we go. <laughs> Sharpshooter action. Nice. There you yes. go. There you go. So, obviously, what we're going to talk about. Sharpshooter, sharpshooter. So what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about some of the uh, the talking points from obviously the actual show. And if we get some time later, you guys can pick anything which we've not discussed. So does that sound good? Yeah. Let's go. Absolutely. Let's go. So the first one obviously we're going to talk about is now is behind the scenes. Now, this was obviously at the start of the documentary. We saw a lot of behind the scenes stuff, which we never actually saw before. So... JP, I'll start with you on this. Obviously, this was the first time fans got an inside look behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is this is if you want to know the term inside baseball, this is it. I mean, you get unprecedented, you get unprecedented look at how the sausage is made. All the good stuff, all the bad stuff. You know, now, I mean, it's obvious, and and I should say I'm a filmmaker uh, and documentary filmmaking is very one-sided you're only getting one opinion you're not getting both sides it's not you know here's this guy's side there's this guy's side what we're seeing is everything from brett's point of view and and what brett's beliefs are and so um it 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 really is i mean uh, you know jake the snake and all those they have great documentaries but that first doc that was one of the first times that we got to see what it was like to be a wrestler, the the mm-hmm. wear and tear, the schedule, and and dealing with contracts and upfronts and down, uh, you know, we got to see all of that. I, I to me, I I have it, I have it on DVD. I watch it at least once a year uh, because it's just that good. Absolutely, Canada Dry. Anything to add on this? Oh, just just the way, uh, and even how it starts, uh, you you you're just you're just pulled into this world that you you didn't know about i remember the first time i watched it i was like holy crap this is what it's like yeah. um you know and like even even back then like sunny's playing with his kid and uh she seems so wholesome back then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh you know just just everything like the headbangers playing with his kid and his, his kid is actually a huge part of this documentary like he's he's in it a lot Absolutely. And, uh, like you could even even at the end, his kid is uh, carrying the flag as they're as they're getting ready to go down for the Montreal match, and uh, yeah. sees a little kid just marching behind them. <laughs> That's so cute. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the 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 way they they did this was was groundbreaking because it led it opened the door for all the other wrestling documentaries. If you yeah. don't have this documentary. I'm not sure uh, if the the other ones get funding because you really need something like this to open the door and say, hey, people are going to watch, people are going to pay for this. Yep, absolutely. Of course. Uh, Mr. Isaac, your thoughts? Yeah, this was definitely a trendsetter. And, uh, you know, like I said, the first time I watched this was back in high school. I watched it when it aired, when it debuted. I I think it was on a Sunday night. I don't remember what channel it was on. A&E. A&E, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was just amazing to see kind of like what Canada Dry said to see uh, Brett backstage with his kid running around. And uh, I, I thought immediately I thought about the wholesome Sunny comment, too, yeah. <laughs> that, that went through my brain because like she's just like, oh, I'm just Brett Hart's my friend and 
you know, I'm going to play with this kid. And it just, it just seems like such a family environment. Like it, it, it was fascinating to see. Absolutely. So obviously we mentioned Sonny a few times now during this time, there was a lot of reports that Brett was obviously with Sonny, but obviously to quote, obviously what Brett said in the actual documentary, Sonny is very flirtatious on and off the screen. To me, she's just a good friend. That's all just a friend. Now, in 2015, with a You Shoot interview, Sonny would respond, and she would say the following. She was asked the questions of how many wrestlers she's actually been with, and one of the, the names, obviously, Brett obviously brought up in conversation, and she quoted, There is no Brett Hout, despite what the rumours have said, even though my friend does, my boyfriend doesn't want to believe me. And I just want to point out her boyfriend was sat at the side while she was answering this question. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, really funny, but... Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, right? Obviously, we know what Sonny's like backstage, but yeah, she's very flirtatious, but is people looking at this the wrong way, uh, Mr. Isaacs? Well, I mean, we know more now than we would have known then when this aired. I mean, we knew that uh, she was having an affair with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I mean, she flat out said that, and uh, I'm pretty sure she put that in her book. So, which is kind of funny because like Brett and Sean hated each other. She's friends with Brett, but she was doing stuff with Sean. It was just kind of weird. I mean, it, but yeah, you know, we know now that that definitely was uh, true for them. And, uh, you know, I, I guess her and Brett just kept things strictly plutonic. Of course. Uh, kind of dry. Um, I, th- I think it's, you know, Sean Michaels was actually the one pointing the finger at Brett. Which yeah. is ironic enough, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, was, <laughs> but he maybe he was he was pointing over at Davy Boy and was actually <laughs> Davy Boy was the one who was with. Uh, oh dear, of course. Uh, yeah, JFB, your thoughts? I mean, you know that you're you're right. I mean, Kendra is right. Sean Michaels was the one who started it off when he said, "How about those sunny days?" And if you weren't reading dirt sheets. That went over almost everybody's heads. I mean, the only people that got it were the people that are either in the back and he did it for the boys in the back or for the guys that are reading the dirt sheets. And yeah, I mean, you know, who would have known, you know, several years later, you know, between her porn career and her uh, massive record of DUIs in the given year uh, that she wouldn't be as reliable as uh, some people would say. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. Um, sticking with obviously the backstage thing, did this obviously little segment change your perception of a wrestler? Could be good or bad, uh, JP. Yeah, I mean it. It it solidified to me definitely how much more I liked Brett after watching. You know, I was a huge Brett Hart fan growing up. Watching the documentary, realizing that you have to make tough decisions. And at the end of the day, the decisions you make affect only three people, you, your wife or husband and your kids. That's it. And he had the opportunity to provide for his family, even though at first he, he decided to go with WWE and he was going to be honorable and, and see out his contract. And, um, you know, because he respected Vince, uh, you know, but, at the end of the day, you got to do what's right for your family. And and that made me a lot more proud to be a Bret Hart fan. Um, you know, I mean, I remember going to a show about three months before the uh, 
uh, three months before the Montreal Screwdrop happened at, and uh, got yelled and screamed at and because I had a Bret Hart shirt and people would just call me names and I was like, okay, you know. <laughs> oh, was this something during the Canada Wars? Yeah, this is... I'm choosing violence tonight, guys. <laughs> In Canada, all right, from the U.S. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Uh, Mr. Isaacs, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, kind of go to what JFB just said, piggyback off of that. I remember the the part of the documentary where the, the guy's like, so you're from America, but you're here with a Canadian flag, and the guy's like, yeah, I just love Bret Hart. Yeah, He's got this shirt on that says Canada with the maple leaf on it. He's carrying the flag. <laughs> and talked about how he was getting heckled by people it was just yeah it it was amazing um but going back to the original point here that that liam was bringing up uh yeah this definitely humanized everybody a lot in in a way that we had never seen before and i already loved bret hart to begin with he was my favorite wrestler too when i was a kid and i kind of got out of the the purely aesthetic part of it and got more into the technical side of it um so to to see a little bit of, of his inside life, uh, you know, his home life to see him go into the hearts and, and visiting with Stu and that whole spiel. It was just, it was awesome. I mean, I was glued to the television when this first aired because it was just so fascinating to me. Absolutely. Canada dry. Well, it did two things. Uh, it, it made you believe uh, in the actual integrity of Bret Hart. Like it's a lot of people, they don't, they don't uh, live up to that character. And I feel like Bret Hart really does a good job of living up to that character and being the man that his father uh, showed him he had to be. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things that, that kept coming back in the documentary is, is, is his, to make his dad proud. And uh, the other thing it did was it, it really showed at the end of the day, what kind of integrity Vince McMahon had. Yeah. And what kind of man Vince McMahon was. And it, it was the first time we really understood that he's not a good man. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was really, it really, really like, we're like, oh, maybe, maybe he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think you've all said it best there, right? So we'll move on to obviously the next discussion, which was defending the family. Now, obviously, in the documentary, Brett talked about being mocked for doing a, quote, fake sport to a point where he actually beat the bully. I mean, I kind of actually like this, like standing <laughs> up to people, but Mr. Isaac, your thoughts on this? I love this. This is just such an old school story that we heard a lot with. I heard it a lot with like my parents' generation and 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 and. Yeah, in my parents' generation, where like they would be large families of like six, seven, eight children, and somebody would pick on one of the kids, and one of the brothers would step in and like beat up the bully. I mean, that was just like such a common thing. So I, I can imagine that uh, when you're messing with the Hart family, when you've got uh, Stu, who's the matriarch or a patriarch rather, who's a, a legitimate well, shooter. kids you got to deal with. <laughs> all the yeah. rest of the hearts come running. <laughs> so like he's a legitimate shooter and he's passing that information down to the kids. I, I can imagine that's probably not the family you want to mess with. So, uh, but it was just kind of cool to see that tight knit nature of them standing up for each other. And it's like, it's us against the world and you know, the rest of the world be damned. We're going to, we're going to be us no matter who says otherwise. And I admire that. I like that. Yeah. Absolutely. It kind of dry. Yeah, the 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 family um 
they really the Vince McMahon was able to really uh, try to capture that on uh, on TV with that promo when the Hart Foundation formed. Mm-hmm. He really tried to capture that uh, Owens crying and who 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 took you to school and took care of that teacher who was picking on you, and uh, it was it, they they really that that to me that was the best segment that they did was when they formed the Hart Foundation, and uh, the other one was. Uh, when uh, you know he he was he was lifted on everyone's shoulders when he beat the bully, and mm-hmm. then I don't know if Vince McMahon heard the story and he thought, "Damn, that's good shit." <laughs> <laughs> and he he does the same thing when Bret Hart beats Yokozuna and gets yeah. everyone to, to to put him on the shoulders. And Bret was like, "Wow, this is grade eight all over again." <laughs> this is like a very cool <laughs> moment in the documentary. Absolutely, uh, JP, your thoughts. I, I mean, family is everything. Uh, I, I can't tell you the number of guys I've been up in the name of my sister. Uh, <laughs> so uh, DFB, Don from Boston. Yeah, there's there's a couple of guys that got knuckle sandwiches or shoved into a locker for picking on my sister, and rightfully so. And that's yeah. you know, that's it's so good because when you have a family that large, I mean, it's hard, and especially with the age gap, it's hard to keep tabs on where everybody is. I mean, Owen was the youngest. Brett was one of the oldest, and you had all these other heart kids running around rampant through Calgary. You, I mean, nowadays you just slip an Apple tag on them, and you could track them on your phone. Back then, I mean, you know. You know, JFB, a family that prays together stays together. <laughs> and, it, and I also learned a valuable lesson, which is you never want to eat breakfast made by Stu Hart. Because there's a good chance it may have used a cat turd on the flip. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Right. So we the cats, man. That's just, that's a whole thing. (laughs) That's brilliant. Maybe that's why I love cats so much. It's got the heart blood. (laughs) Fruit cat might be a relative. You never know. Ooh, could be. Does fruit cat have some heart in him? Well, he's got some heart. He's a big cat. He's 15 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there you go that answers your question right so we'll move on obviously to the next talking point and it's kind of a big one throughout the whole show it's of course obviously his relationship with Stu Hart yeah. now Brett would obviously quote in the actual documentary that he said he was scared of obviously Stu but I think it was more respect uh, JP would you agree with that I, I agree I you know I think there was a small amount of fear um because I mean, all you have to do is just listen to the audio that's played from Brett, you know, in that, you know, when you hear these men screaming for their lives in the dungeon. So yeah, I think a little fear, but I think a lot of it had to do with respect. I mean, you know, his dad did what they had to do for the family to feed the family, take care of the family. And obviously that was promoting, you know, stampede wrestling. And eventually when it wasn't viable enough, sell it and make some money. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lot more respect and, and a little bit of fear. You got a little bit of fear of the old man. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Isaacs. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think he just had the utmost respect for him. Um, as typically large families like this that stick to each other and, and get really close like that, they do hold their parents and, and, much reverence here. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the case here as well. Uh, Stu Hart was just this, this old school guy who just uh, I, I I couldn't help but laugh whenever the the guy came in and was like, 
okay, Mr. Hart, I'll come in and you can show me some things. You know, he's all cocky. Like, what's this old man going to do to me? He said sir a lot, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was real respectful, but he was like, yeah, you know, what's this old man going to do to me? And then he's like, oh, yes, sir. Yeah, I feel it. Huh? You know, it's just, it's just so funny to, to see like a little old man stretch these young guys like that. It, he's just so mild-mannered, but yet he's got that shooter skill in him where he could just stretch anybody it it's fascinating stuff man absolutely yeah kind of dry one of the lines that stuck out to me in this movie and this documentary was that bret hart got punished by getting stretched yeah if you did something <laughs> that was out of line you're going to the dungeon and you're gonna get stretched and bret would say that he he thought that maybe he was going to die when he yeah. was in this hold and he thought he was going to die. And uh, it went through his mind. Maybe the next day in the newspapers, a uh, wrestler goes too far, kills son. <laughs> That's <laughs> what he thought that this is a real possibility. It's just like uh, he was doing his best, but he, that's what he did. He was trying to teach Brett uh, the right way. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously in this as well, we also learned that Stu, quote unquote, got stretched first. I mean, that's probably the actual direct line. Yeah. This was quite a surprising little thing for me. Would you agree, Canada? Uh you gotta start somewhere. It's got an origin story. So yeah, he he was part of the shooters. He was he was uh he was a foster kid. Uh and uh, you know, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, JP. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to learn unless you're doing, you know? And so it, it makes perfect sense that he got stretched and then just took that and brought it to another level. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Isaacs. Yeah. In order to acquire the skill, you have to have it done on you. Yeah. Period. <laughs> so I mean, if you're going to be a shooter and you're going to learn to stretch people, you, someone's got to show you how to do it by stretching you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I used to do now, martial arts me, training. Let me ask you guys a question. Mm-hmm. Who's all applied the sharpshooter here to somebody? Because like, I've, <laughs> I've done the sharpshooter probably five or six times. I don't think I've done it to an actual person. I used to do it to my Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy when I was a kid. Okay, so you haven't done it to a person. <laughs> I don't believe so. I'm, I'm an only child. I don't have siblings. So, like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to admit, though, it is a pretty painful hold. I'm not going to lie. Oh no! If you cinch it in and you and you lay back on it, you just wrench into it. Oh yeah! Ooh, I mean, the Ultimate Warrior screamed like hell when I put it on him. Oh hell yeah, he did. <laughs> Let it go, so brother. I was uh, I was wrestling with this guy, and he's about five hundred pounds. And uh, all right, was this man Yokozuna? So we're, we're just wrestling, and uh, he's just this big guy. He's really heavy, and uh, he got all his weight on me, and I couldn't breathe. And so I was like, well, I can't do the sharpshooter. I'm, I'm, I can't do anything. So I just wrap my knee around his knee and just start crunching it. And, uh, uh, and uh, he, he started tapping because if he didn't tap, I would have passed out. So I had to do something, and it works. So. Oh, <laughs> Canadian jujitsu there, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I told, his name was his last name was Funk, so I called it the Funk Shooter. The Funk Shooter. <laughs> what are you, Terry Funk? How fitting. His name was Funk. It's Dory oh, Funk the third. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's brilliant. Right, so we'll obviously move on to the next thing. Now, we've obviously t- mentioned it briefly. The air is 
the heart dungeon. Now we, we we saw a nice little glimpse what goes off in the heart dungeon. I'm actually literally going, oh my god, this guy stretched him like I'd never seen before. It was really weird. Would you agree, Mister Isaacs? Yeah, man. Like that was. <laughs> I, I've been in. I've did some grappling training, some martial arts training, and I, I've had my arm bended in weird ways before. And uh, you cannot move when you get in that position. It doesn't matter if the other guy's applying much pressure or not which is why this guy could be like 800 years old and he could still get you at the right angle and you can't move, even though you're twice as big and strong as him. Um, it's just wild, man. I, seeing the, uh, the the old school wood panel walls, they, they, they take them down to this bleak room. <laughs> it's just, ooh, it's just, uh, I wouldn't want to be in that position, definitely. And I, I remember seeing that room because they had like a like a heart dungeon match one time. I don't know if you guys remember that, where they actually had a match down in that room. Was Owen, Owen was in the dungeon against someone? I think it was Owen and Ken Shamrock. For yeah, it was Owen and Ken Shamrock in the dungeon. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be down there experiencing that. No, not at all. Uh, JP, your thoughts? I, you know, it's hilarious when you have this octogenarian <laughs> locking on a, a, a simple shoot move and all you hear is this guy going, yes, sir, yes, sir. And he's like, hey, hey, I'm going to stretch some more. And then he's like, ah. Oh, it he's was a, hilarious. Has some discipline. Has yeah. some discipline. He's, he's got such the most unopposing voice in the world. <laughs> and it's, and it, I mean, it should not strike fear into you until you see him wrapped around this guy like a boa constrictor. <laughs> and this guy's arm is over here. His other arm is going this way. And it's legs over around his neck. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was absolute gold. Like after I saw that, I was like, I, I totally want that. I, I wanted to go to Calgary and I wanted to learn how to do shoot wrestling like that. And I, and like Mr. You know, Mr. Isaacs, I take a keto and uh, I've been in a position where like, you know, it's like twister, but it's not fun. That's what <laughs> I did. I did Aikido when I was in college. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Uh, Canada, any thoughts? Okay. So to get a full idea of who Stu Hart is, you really have to go to one of the dark side of the ring episodes and yeah. someone's breaking in to the Hart family uh, mansion. And instead of, you know, calling the cops. Yeah. <laughs> do locks him in a hold and starts stretching him in the kitchen. Uh, Which dark side of the ring is that? Um, it's, the, it's the Calgary. It's the Calgary Stampede episode. I yeah, think the, it's the third or fourth one. The, um, yeah, but, Tales from the Territories. Yes, right, right. Tales yeah. from the Territories. Um, so... Yeah, he's he's locking in these holes. The kid's screaming, and he's got him in it for 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 a good hour or two, yeah. and then uh, he lets the kid go. Doesn't call the cops, yeah, and he gives the kid a job. Yeah, <laughs> wow, it's such an old school thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm gonna teach you a lesson. I'm gonna and I'm gonna. It's pretty much I'm gonna destroy you and rebuild you. <laughs> That's just such an old school thing that. You, you'd hear tough guys do back in the day. You tried to rob me. I beat you up. Now you're going to work for me, and I'm going to teach you how to really be a man. Yeah. <laughs> wow, absolutely. So, obviously, we've I've got a list of names. Obviously, who's come out of the dungeon. We're talking Greg Valentine, Juicing Fonda Leica, Brian Pillman, Chris Jericho, Edge, Christian, Mark Henry. 
JFP, when you look at that list, that's a pretty impressive list to come out of a one actual wrestling school. That is a damn fine. And that's list. not even the full list. There's more. That's not even the full list. Yeah. No, <laughs> there's a lot more. Obviously, that's just a few, just a name. But yeah, wow, that's really impressive. Oh, it's amazing to to when you think of the Hall of Fame talent that has come through and and has begged and pleaded Stu Hart to not kill them or break their arms and legs is unbelievable. Um, I yeah, I, I yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Isaacs, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, that was the place to go in Canada if you wanted to learn the shoot style. Um, there's several guys that you think of when you think of the shoot style. You think of Carl Gotch, yeah. uh, who took his style to Japan. Uh, you, you think of uh, Stu Hart. Yeah. Um, you think of uh, uh, Billy Robinson, and yeah. uh, I think in the UK. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the guys you think of. Stu Hart had that Canadian uh area up there and that's everybody that wanted to be a shooter they went to him yep and we see the results i mean that (laughs) they're they're all fantastic workers i think the the word just got out where'd you learn how to do this Stu hart oh and so everyone would just go to Stu hart the word got around the the territories that Stu hart is the guy to really hone your craft and uh uh to me uh being from Canada, it's just it's, it's just this legacy that he leaves behind, and and it just it just makes you proud that that he's he's part of our legacy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, that's an amazing list. So we'll get onto a big one now, and I'm really excited to get everybody's thoughts on this. And of course, it's the ongoing feud, obviously, with Shawn Michaels. He obviously spoke about that briefly in Wrestling with Shadows, saying that he felt upstaged a little bit by him. Yeah. Mr. Isaacs, I'll start with you on this. When your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, Brett versus Sean was the kayfabe and shoot feud <laughs> of the 1990s. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's very clear that these two did not get along at all. Uh, we've heard countless stories over the years outside of this documentary about them not getting along at all. And it's just two diametrically opposed views and philosophies of wrestling. Like you, you get Brett, who wasn't really comfortable playing the heel. Um, but he kind of got pushed to be that that guy, and you know Sean, who was kind of sort of a tweener, babyface slash heel, depending on what audience he was in front of, who was way more of a heel in real life, but was playing more of the babyface role. And he's like, you know, call me this homophobic slur, call me that. And Brett's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like that's not in my character. It's just two very different philosophical views of wrestling and they butt heads all through the nineties. And you could see it in this documentary. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of dry your thoughts. Well, yeah, I think, uh, um, you know, there's the, the sit down interview uh, that they had on, on the doc. On, on, I think it was a was it a DVD first before it was uh, on the network. Uh, they had the, I think the, so. Uh, yeah, they yeah. had a DVD of it. Yeah. yeah. So they had the sit down interview between the two, and uh, originally uh, Shawn Michaels really really looked up to Brett and uh, really wanted Brett's approval. But uh, you know, Brett never really saw that. He just saw this young younger guy. And uh, just kind of ego driven and just out of control, and uh, I, I think it was just uh, Sean's climbing the ladder, 
as Brett's really coming into his own and really worldwide famous all over the world. Brett's just, just this household name. Uh, but in the United States, John's kind of upstaging him and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and he's doing it in a different way. He's doing the dancing and, you know, all that sexy stuff and just like, you know, posing in playboy, you know, a lot of the, a lot know. of the, the Hey girl, he, he right. <laughs> and uh, there was a claim that uh, women don't really read those magazines. As men. <laughs> I was just getting ready to point out, yeah, that guy in the parking lot was like, Yeah, it's Shawn Michaels, just play a girl. Doesn't he know it's mostly guys that look at that? <laughs> well, Brett, Brett mentioned that in a promo, so I think yeah. he was just repeating something Brett said that was he was told to say, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it was it, the, the whole screw job comes down to the the that Sean uh, said uh, to Brett, I'm not willing. Well, originally Brett said, uh, uh, I'm just want you to know that I'm, I'm perfectly fine losing the belt to you. Uh, mm -hmm. And Sean goes, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't do the same for you. And it was just like this shot that was unneeded. You know, if, if, Brett, if Sean doesn't say that, none of this happens. If yeah. Brett just yeah. loses the belt and it, you know, it all, Brett goes to WCW, and we're not talking about this. But yeah, well, Sean just had this huge ego that he felt the need to slap back. Yeah, absolutely. JP, your thoughts on this? I mean, you when you look at rivalries, and I'm not talking within our time frame, but when you go all the way back to the 20s, the 30s on up, no feud was as venomous and as horrible as the feud between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. I mean, these are two guys who didn't like each other in real. It, it played well into television. It was great soap opera drama because you just didn't know. I mean, they didn't touch gloves all that often. I mean, they didn't, they were not in a lot of matches against each other, but when they were, it was ones that counted. And it's like the Iron Man match, the Montreal screw job, you know, the back and forth between the factions with DX now. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's such a great feud because, you you know, as like Canada Dress said, you have, it's a dichotomy between, you know, the flashy Hollywood hunk with the long hair doing the sexy dance and a guy who took the business more seriously than I think he should have at some times. And, and, it's a hot and cold front and it's going to create a storm. And it, it did. It created a amazing storm. The other yeah. thing I wanted to mention was that um, you had Sean guys and you had Brett guys. And even to this day, yeah. you have guys who stand behind Sean Michaels. You have guys that stand behind Brett to this day. And yeah. <laughs> we still feel it like it was yesterday. Like, fuck you, Sean Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely right. So obviously we've got one main, main topic now. It's probably the most talked about thing ever. It's, of course, the Montreal Screwjob itself. I want to talk about more the actual... Because obviously we saw what happened before he went out to the ring. For me, when I was watching this, it felt like it was right. Everybody was on edge. Would you agree with that, Mr. Isaacs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody knew that something strange was going on. <laughs> I mean, uh, Brett knew that they might be planning something. Um, I, I think he kind of convinced himself at the very end that 
you know, everything was going to be fine because he talked to Earl Hebner. But, uh, and then the other side was freaking out too. Like, well, what are we going to do? We, we can't just like put this guy over and then he leaves and goes to the competition. You know, that just, it, it's just one of those things where there was just a stalemate here. And, uh, you know, just my opinion, I think both sides shared at least part of the blame here. Um, but yeah, this, this was a, a terrible thing that shouldn't have happened. These two parties should have been able to work this out long before it actually went down like this in the ring. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of dry your thoughts. Well, you know, he, Brett was painted into a corner. Yeah. Because uh, the, when Sean said that, he couldn't go back because your integrity is there. And to, 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 he, Brett said it, you're essentially blowing your brains out because you have to uh, throw your principles out the window. Mm hmm. This guy just said he wouldn't do the same for you, and now I have to freaking lay down for you? I don't think so. Yeah. You you can't pay the same respect to me that I'm paying to you. Come on. Uh, to me, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, you know Sean could have easily knocked on Brett's dressing room and said, you know what, I'm sorry for saying that. That was wrong of me, and uh, I I apologize. And maybe Brett changes his mind and says, you know what, okay, you. I'll, I'll do I'll do the job for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, JP, your thoughts? I mean, you know, like for example, when you look at the curse of the the, the Red Sox and the curse of the Bambino, and everybody says, "Oh, it's because we traded Babe Ruth." But when you look at it realistically, there were lots of incidents and you know incidents that happened that led to us not winning the World Series until two thousand six. The same could be said with this. You know, it, 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 it wasn't something that happened at the spur of the moment. There were events that led up to it. Uh, and the big one that really stuck in my mind was Vince McMahon's innate fear of seeing his world championship belt on live TV being done something to it. Yep. WCW, you know? Exactly. And yeah. he... You know, because WWE did the same thing. You know, when Ric Flair came on for the first time on a WWF show, he came on with big gold. Big he gold. NWA, WCW. They radioed it out. Yeah. Like it was blurry, but it was, yeah, you could tell that's what it yeah. was. And so here he is holding another promotions belt. And Vince saw Eric Bischoff as he's the kind of guy who's going to do this, you know. He's the kind of guy who is going to screw with me. And so I'm going to do it back. That's right. Yeah, I think that's well said. So a follow-up question for this now is, I'll start with kind of drawing this one. Your overall the thoughts when obviously the Montreal screw job happened, your overall feeling? Oh, I was, I was irate. <clears throat> I was irate, uh, you know, um, I was now a WCW guy. I was no longer, a WWE guy. I was now joining the WCW uh, brand, and I was I wasn't watching WWE. Uh, I, I I would stay because Owen was there, so I I I fast forward to his matches and watch those. But that's about it. Right. Okay. JP, you're of all thing. You win it. Comes oh, to I Montreal. So I was so pissed that I threw a glass at 
uh, and this is, you know, I was at my parents' house visiting and I bought the pay-per-view and they still had a console TV, you know? So I just took this glass and, it, and I just hucked it and it hit the wall <laughs> behind it. But I was, I was so pissed because I didn't know what was going on. And, and I was confused. Like why, why it didn't make sense. I mean, Shawn Michaels puts on the sharpshooter. And then Earl Hebner rings a bell before he even tapped out. I'm like, wait a minute. He never tapped out. He never tapped out. I'm like, looking at my dad. He didn't tap out. He didn't tap out. And my dad's like, it, it's wrestling. You know, it's, you know, and of course he used the big F word, but you know, I, it, it so made me mad. And still to this day, I'll watch it. And I still get pissed off that he, that they did that to him. Right. Uh, Mr. Isaac, your thoughts when it, overall, when Montreal school job, yeah, I was always very pro Bret Hart, so like it 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 didn't sit well with me at the time either. <laughs> um, now, as the years have gone by, I can understand why Vince felt the need to do it. Um, but yeah, you know, in the moment when I first saw it, I was definitely one hundred percent Team yeah. Bret, and and I followed him to WCW, and I was very disappointed that WCW didn't do much with him after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I was definitely pro bread. That's I mean, a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, though, I can kind of understand why Vince did it for the reasons that JFB mentioned. You know, he, he was trying to protect his championship, and uh, you know, Brett's idea of let's just let this be a DQ, a schmoz, as he put it, and then come out the next night and forfeit. But but uh, you also remember that he's got that that uh, creative control in his contract. That's not. Oh, he honored. does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just it, it was not beneficial to the WWE to book it like that. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, yeah, you're putting a guy over as he's going. So, to the so pretty much, don't give people those kind of contracts then if you're not going to honor it. Oh, I agree. Yeah, don't give people creative control. <laughs> no wrestler should have creative control. Not at all. I mean, you should have learned that with Hogan too. Yeah, they, there you go. There you go. So obviously, now we're going to move on to the last little bit, which is. The aftermath. Now, obviously, after, <laughs> yep. So, obviously, during the documentary, we obviously saw what happened after the actual match. We saw the backstage thing was kind of interesting because I felt like I think it was his wife literally telling people off. It was like naughty school kids. That was Hunter. There. She was talking to. Yeah, Hunter knew. You knew. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I'm like, it's like naughty school kids getting told off by somebody. That's how I felt. But yeah, obviously. Mr. Isaac, your thoughts on the, like, the aftermath and obviously the the punch-up, as we call it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was funny, the scene where uh, you know they come in the ring and Brett's like holding his hand and they're like, so what happened, Brett? Uh, his head ran into my hand. <laughs> 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 yeah, and then, it, you know, like you said, it, it, his wife is like the teacher in the hallway with like the big basketball and football players all jacked up and she's like now guys you knew you knew better and you let this happen shame on you you know it's just <laughs> it, it was just uh it was a crazy sight to see and of course you see owen and, and bulldog kind of like you know ushering her down the hall like okay you know it, it's gonna be okay let's go back and see what brett's up to uh, yeah, it was just complete chaos, man. Like complete chaos, and a, a stark contrast to what we saw backstage in the early part of the film, when it was just yeah. such a like family friendly thing, and everybody got along, and it was just, you know, 
one big hug session. And then it's like people are punching people and people are very unhappy. <laughs> it's, it's sad to see, you know. There you go. Uh, JP, your thoughts on the aftermath? You know, it's funny. I, I, I was watching it and I was like, I'm going to give three to one odds that Julie is going to punch Triple H in the nose and make that nose even worse looking. Uh, <laughs> like, I was expecting Julie to be the aggressor in all of this, not Brett. Like, I knew Brett was very pissed off, but. You know, violence doesn't solve everything, and and I, I I really would like to have seen Julie just slap the living shit out of Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Oh, she could have got a free shot. He's not going to do anything. Oh yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she, she they, they wouldn't retaliate. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, she was irate. She was red in the face. Like she saw red. She chose violence that day. Thank God, Owen and Davy Boy and and Pillman kind of pushed her away and like okay let's go yeah. to the let's go here <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah kind of dry your thoughts on the aftermath you know i think i think like brett hart's is the only one who you know like that really got one in on vince mcmahon mm -hmm. like you got me but i got you so <laughs> like you're not gonna get away clean skate right um uh originally uh, uh Vince McMahon was hiding in his office. Yeah. And Undertaker was pissed yeah. and made uh Vince McMahon go out to face Bret Hart. Yep. And so Bret Hart Taker was uh, pissed. Foley yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean so that, Bret that Hart, says a lot. Uh, saw him. Bret Hart saw him come into the, the dress room and he says, uh, I'm gonna take a shower, and if you're still here. You're getting a punch in the face. So yeah. He's showering, but, taking his time. It's like all a movie, right? It's just like this <laughs> shampoo and, you know, just coolly drying yourself off. Vince McMahon's still there. They lock up and Brett just nails him with an uppercut. And Vince is just out of it. Yeah, and I mean, it's just see, like his head ran into his hand. Yeah. Dry. Let's be clear here for legal purposes. Yeah, was, I think Vince was trying to go in for a hug. Like, <laughs> sorry, and oh, geez, I ran into your fist. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. He should have went for one of those Tony Vince, Vince knew it was coming. But he thought he, could, he thought he could take Brett, I'm pretty sure, because he's working out. He's like, I could take him. <laughs> the yeah, Vince had that kind of ego. Yeah. I'd say he probably thought he could. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The one part I actually love is when you see Vince walking back after he obviously had the confrontation with Brett. He just looks so beaten, literally. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> honest to God. It really, it's probably one of the best bits. But the other thing I want to talk about is Sean was scared shitless. <laughs> oh, yeah. That Brett was going to kick his ass. I yeah. didn't know. I swear to God. I didn't know. Yeah. And then yeah, years later, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, well, obviously, one last question for obviously all this is uh, JFB. Obviously, how do you obviously summarize obviously this actual documentary as a whole? Uh, I, I think it, I could summarize the documentary as this it, it's a great if you're interested in knowing more about wrestling than what you see on TV, it's an amazing documentary. It's a good gateway into Beyond the Mat and Jake the Snake and all this other documentaries that came out. It made me appreciate more what these guys truly do because the regular fan just watches Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or AEW Dynamite, and they're like, oh, okay, and then it's next week. They don't realize the travel, 
the injuries, you know, I mean, the one thing that I'll always remember is Brett diving off the apron from Dino Bravo and broke his sternum, you know, and mm-hmm. telling this kid, like, see that bone right there? I broke his sternum. Yeah, that's what, I don't know if you have one, but I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, you, you realize what these guys go through, you know, what they do at each and every city they get to so you can enjoy yourself watching it on TV or seeing it live. So uh, it, it's a great inside baseball documentary for sure. Absolutely. It kind of dry. How do you summarize this up? Okay. So um, there's a great uh, foreshadowing moment in this documentary when his buddy is talking to him, I guess this is his workout buddy or his trainer. And he goes, you can wrestle for another 10 years. And Brett's like 10 years. And uh, he said, I don't know. He's like, I think I'm a lifer, uh, I, I, but I got the back, the warden in my back pocket and I got the, I got the run of the place. Yeah. But he's like, I, I like to get out of this and have a normal existence. Yeah. And this foreshadowing really speaks to what Brett's doing now. Yeah. He doesn't want to be on AEW TV. He doesn't want to be on WWE TV every week. Um, he's happy with his grandkids. He's happy with his wife. He's happy just being a regular guy who happens to be the greatest wrestler who ever lived. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's a nice piece of foreshadowing. Yeah, of course. Uh, Mr. Isaacs, how do you summarize this up? I would say that this is a very good time capsule of one of the biggest scandals in the history of pro wrestling that the people who made this film had no idea was going to happen. (laughs) They had no idea that they were going to encapsulate this historic moment. Yeah. And I'm sure afterwards they were like, Oh my God, we got gold here. (laughs) Like this is great. But yeah, I mean, this is the, this should be required viewing for any wrestling student. Yeah, because it, it does a great job of encapsulating the mind state of an old school professional wrestler. Yeah. Everything from philosophically how the show should be presented to how the training goes to how the contract negotiations go, uh, how family factors into this. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's a brilliant piece of work. And I think that anybody who wants to be a wrestler or anybody who just is a young fan that doesn't know a lot of history should check it out because it's quite beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. As Brett always says, was the best there will ever be and the best there ever is. Isn't that how it is? No. Oh. Oh, shit. That's the wrong one. <laughs> it's like, is that Brett as a kid? Was he tan there? <laughs> Let's do this. Hold on. Hold on. I'll, I will save it for you. Rewind. <laughs> Do the Wayne's World thing. Go ahead. Oh, should we? we, we should, I mean, that was the best there was, was, was and the best ever will be. There you go. Sorry about that. I don't know where the hell that came from. <laughs> so are we going to do it? Are we all going to get a chance to say it? If you want to, yes, yeah, go for it. Uh, who wants to go first? Get in the dry, you go first. All right. I'm the best there is. I'm the best there was. And I'm the best there ever will be. Wow. Really, really good. Mr. Isaacs, come on. I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Sounds like the wow. Brooklyn Brawler skin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Come on, JFB. Over to you. Best there is. I'm the best there was. I'm the best there ever will be. Very good, very good. So actually, last time I did this, I actually screwed it up. So no yeah, pressure. Yeah, pressure's on. Do you need a cue card, Liam? You what, sorry? Do you need a cue card? Go ahead. <laughs> Proceed. Proceed. I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Yeah. Right. Wow. Thing is, I've actually had that literally loaded in all all episode and I completely forgot about it until just then. <laughs> but yeah, that is obviously actually Bree's impression and it's really, really good. It's, you can't Play one more it. time. Was the best there will ever be and the best there ever is. Isn't that how it is? No. Oh. <laughs> oh I thought it was like a 10-year-old boy. That was Bree. It's that ending bit where it's like, oh, I screwed up. I really messed that one up. Oh, dear. Yeah. Right, so uh, JP, Canada Drive, what have we got on the show tomorrow? Well, we got a, we got a great show. It's going to be uh, – we're going to pick the Mount Rushmores of four different promotions, WWE, WCW, Ring of Honor, and TNA. Uh, we're going to do a snake-style draft. I'm, I'm super excited. I got notes, copious amounts of notes about – uh, who I'm going to pick strategically, who I'm going oh, for. It's, it's, it's four separate drafts. Yeah, four separate drafts. Yeah. So uh, you can pick the same guy in the same promotion. So you, yeah. you could have Samoa Joe in there three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what time is that, guys, tomorrow? Uh, it's 1.30 Eastern, uh, 10.30 10.30 Pacific. Yeah, 10.30 Pacific, and I don't know what the other time is anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's about half past six in the UK, so. Okay. All right. That that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, Mr. Isaac, do you want to tell everybody about the the giveaway we've got coming up? Yes. Uh, We we want you to submit questions to the mailbag. You can find the email address down below, magicwrestling at outlook.com. Please. Send us an email. Uh, I am going to go through all the questions. I am going to pick a winner. And the winner, declared by me, is going to receive a Magic of Wrestling t-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com. Woo! Let's get those questions in, everybody. Yeah, I've already seen a few of them, and I'm like, oh, my God, we've got to answer these. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good one. So are you going to answer them all on one episode, or is it going to be scattered throughout? Hey, we'll answer them all in one episode. I think we've got about 10 at the moment, so I think we should be able to put like a full little episode together. Now, if we get like 200, we're probably going to have to split it up, but uh, yeah. I, mean, I guess it depends on the quantity received between now and then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, JFB, I know you like doing this part, but do you want to tell everybody where we can find everything? Well, of course. You can go to youtube.com forward slash effort wrestling, click like and subscribe, and if you scroll down, you'll get some, not all, but some of our social media. However... If you go to FNWrestling.com, you will get all our social media, including AFW, our Prediction League, which according to Prediction League Monthly, the quarterly, uh, the monthly magazine I get, we are ranked number one with a bullet. Everybody else is below AFW. That's better Yeah, you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com if you want to get a shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees. Liam, I'm sure, has one. Uh, I, I'm wearing Goonies. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've all got one. I've, yeah. just, I've, got, I've one got my Bret Hart shirt on today, Phil. <laughs> yeah. so you go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Effort Wrestling. If you like old school wrestling and you're a big fan of Adrian Adonis, we run his store. 
ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash <laughs> I love that absolutely every time. Uh, any final words from the from the expert? Well, I just want to thank uh, the uh, the original two for uh, being on the program today. <laughs> I think we've had a good show, and uh, you know, I hope everybody has a great week and uh, watch F and Wrestling tomorrow because you might see a couple familiar faces on there. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, be role reversal. We'll we'll be at the bottom; they'll be at the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Started from the bottom, now we're here. This is our moment on top. Exactly. Any final words from JFB? Uh, no. no? Okay. Uh, Canada Dry, you get the last word. Remember, just keep fighting. Woo! Put you in the